had the opportunity to go see my folks uh, last, not last Sunday, but the Sunday before that, so a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it was my mom's 80th birthday, and, uh, which, is a, uh, which is awesome. And if you're 80 in here, bless you. Uh, my, my mom is uh, still doing Zumba. She, no joke, um, she's still doing Zumba. She's still working full time. Um, and she should not be driving, but she is. And uh, she's watching this right now. Hi, Mom. <laughs> you can't say anything to me. Uh, I'll hear it afterward. But it's, it's, it was really, really great. When I, when I got down there, um, I had the great, great privilege of getting sick. And uh, <laughs> it was just, I had something bad to eat or something hit me. But for five or six days straight, I was just out for the count. Uh, couldn't, couldn't really function very well. So, um, but we had a good time. But what's really cool is that how many of you guys believe that the kingdom of God still advances no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, right? Come on, somebody. Right? You, you never stop being a Christian. <laughs> it's so funny to me how people go, I'm going to go on vacation and I'm just going to stop being a Christian for a little bit. I'm not going to read my Bible or pray and I'm just going to just, I'm going to take a break. Get over yourself. Quit taking breaks, right? Either you're in or you're out. There's no in-betweens when it comes to God. Hi, everybody. It's good to preach again. I feel pretty good about this. <laughs> oh, man. Everyone else who preached did an amazing job, didn't they, for the last few weeks? And it's really good that you hear other people's voices. Okay, thank you. So make sure you go with that. Starting with, uh, who started off? I forget. Was it Nicole? Nicole kicked it off. James won. She did awesome, didn't she? We're going to put her in the rotation to preach them. And then it was Mario. No, I forget. Mario, Pastor Steve, and then Ryan. Ryan did a great job. I told Ryan last week, he came into my office, and I said, dude, every time you preach, I always get a message online. Well, you know, Ryan said that I need to X, Y, Z, so I think I need to X, Y, Z. And I'm like, man, no one ever says that about me. Get this over with, man. But it's good, man. God is good, and I'm excited. So you're always on when you're, when you're, when you're a believer. Like you're always, you're always advancing the kingdom of God. It never starts off. Look, look, listen. The devil never stops, so why should you? <laughs> the devil never stops. So, she, so I had the great opportunity to pray for people on the airplane, uh, pray for some people, prophesy over people in the airport, Everywhere I went to at a restaurant, which wasn't very much because I was laid up, but the two times that I did, had I just, I just took it upon myself just to go pray for people because the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and the forceful men lay hold of it. Come on, somebody. And this is how we got to live and act in today's world. We got to stop being, excuse my language, we have to stop being pansy Christians and start getting on the front lines and start doing something about the kingdom of God. We have to. And I'm not gonna. I'm gonna tell you this next thing, not because it's like super cool or whatever, but man, I had the great opportunity of prophesying, praying for Derek Van Orden. Does anybody know who that is? <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> he's our congressman, right? And he was on the airplane. I said, hmm, I know that guy. I know that guy. He's in the front row. I'm on the fifth row. He's on the airplane. He's got his AirPods in, and and the dude was super nice. And um, sorry, the congressman was super nice. And and. Um, so we got out of the airplane, we're in Chicago, and I, he, was, he left early because he was right on the front row. So I had to run up to him, 
And I got, this is no joke, I got up there too. I went, <sighs> I said, give, give me a second, buddy. He's like, who are you? What do you want? <laughs> it, was so, it was so awesome, man. And so I, I just said, man, I just feel like God. And I just began to deliver him the word that I felt like God had laid in my heart for him. He backed up and says, nobody has ever done this for me, ever. Now, let me rewind a little bit. A year ago, a year ago, somebody prophesied over me and says, God's going to give you an opportunity to partner and pray for somebody who's in the political realm. And I went, okay. <laughs> I don't even like politics. <laughs> but okay. And now, fast forward a year. So let me just tell you something. Let me just encourage you in something. If God has put a word on your heart, and if there's something that's been spoken over to you, don't give up yet. Don't give up yet. Keep pursuing God. Keep following through because God will open the doors for that word to come in its time. In its time. You guys remember the old saying, he who dies with the most toys still dies? You guys remember that saying? They used to make a t-shirt of it. Anybody remember that t-shirt? My favorite t-shirt growing up as a Christian was the Lord's Gym. Anybody remember that shirt? You have it? You need to wear it next week, Quentin. So? <laughs> so what? It had Jesus with the cross, you know, big old buff Jesus. And uh, it was pretty awesome. But there was a t-shirt, that old saying says, he who dies with the most toys still dies. So turning your Bibles to James chapter 5, as we get into the last part of this series in James 5, and next week... We're going to start a new series called Act Upon. Okay, we're going to do that for five weeks straight. We're going to take a pause button right for the power team or me and Pastor Steve, whichever comes first. And, and, and we're going to uh, take a pause there, but we're going to, for five weeks straight, we're going to talk about acting upon certain things. All right, that starts next week. So I want to encourage you to, to make a commitment to yourself and to your family that you will come to church every week Amen. in September at least. You know, if you get up in the morning and you start thinking to yourself, I kind of just want to stay home today. Look, get yourself out of bed, get your kids fed, go to church. Amen. It's the best thing for you. No? Okay. He who dies with the most toys still dies. So James chapter 5 verses 1 through 6 is basically that phrase in a nutshell. It's basically unfolding this idea that if you store up treasures here on earth and not treasures in heaven, those treasures will dry up. They'll corrode and, and no longer give you pleasure. They'll no longer give you pleasure. So what does it mean to store up a treasure in heaven? Well, it means getting involved in safe families. It means taking the opportunity to, to pray for somebody when the Lord speaks to you to pray. You know what the treasures in heaven are? You know what that results to here on earth is your obedience to God. Is your obedience to God. You want to store up treasures in heaven? Then obey God. Obey the Holy Spirit when he speaks to you to do something and begin to follow through with that. No matter how difficult it might be, no matter how hard it might seem right at the beginning, when you obey, God builds treasures. You store up those treasures in heaven. It all comes down to submission and obedience. 
James is talking about, look, he's like, guys, listen, don't, don't, don't just focus on the immediate right now because everything immediate is going to burn up. It's going to corrode. But let me ask you this question. Do you think there's anything wrong with having treasures or even generational wealth here on earth? No, right? There's nothing wrong with storing up treasure here on earth for generations to come so that your children's children can have a sustained life. It's how God has planned it. There's nothing wrong with that. And we can see that extremely evident in Scripture. How God is the God of generations, amen? He's the God of God of generations. He doesn't always think the right now immediate in front of him. He always thinks of the future. The Bible says that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He thinks generationally. What you do right now, come on somebody, the decisions you make right now affect what's going to happen with your generational line. With the legacy that you're going to leave here on this earth. The decisions you make right now. Whatever decision that might be, it's going to affect what's going to happen with your future. And you might think to yourself, I'm at the end of my future. You're never at the end until you die. Until you pass away and you go to heaven. So what you do right now matters. What you do right now matters. And let me tell you something, it's never too late to reset. It's never too late to restart. It's never too late to refire and get back on track again. Man, it feels good to preach. He's the God of God of generations. But these verses in James are talking mostly about what your heart is connected to. James 5, 1 through 6. What is your heart connected to? I've asked this question a lot of times in my head. How much money is too much money? You guys ever thought about that before? How much is too much? Right? Sometimes we look at some people and go, you have too much money. <laughs> you, you, you need blah, blah, blah. And then we start judging people whenever they have abundance because they think, we think they don't work enough. Right? I do judge a little bit when people sell salamanders and they buy a, a, a million-dollar home. That's a little weird to me. You ever watch HGTV and their jobs are, like, weird? Right? What we do is we pick and we peel apples for a living. And it's like, how can you afford a house that's $1.5 billion on the shore? Like, it's just it's weird to me. Okay, but anyway, I regress. I've asked this question, how much is too much? And as believers, I believe that we've had this false idea that we're all supposed to be poor in some way, shape, or form. That we always have to be in need. If I'm not in need, then I must be out of God's will. Right? We have, we've created this identity of being a pauper rather than a prince. This idea that if, that, 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 that if, we're, if, we're, if we're lowly and if we don't have anything then I must be doing what God wants me to do. 
I want to encourage you this morning and suggest to you today that we need to repent from that mentality because God is the God of abundance. Now hear me out. You might be thinking to yourself, not another prosperity message. I don't care about prosperity, but you know what? Prosperity is in the Bible, so we better get used to it. Where does God want you to live? He wants you to live right in the middle of the creamy center of his will. So in God, how much money is too much money? Well, it's any amount that replaces trust. Someone say, say it again. Thank you. How much money is too much money? It's any amount that replaces trust. To discover the purpose of prosperity, we have to transition from absolute dependency for resources to absolute dependency with resources. It's a good word. God is not looking for people with benevolent ideas and plans. He's looking for people who will do what he says. It's not a matter about what you have. It's a matter of what has you. Amen? <laughs> and James is saying in, in these first few verses, I love James. A lot of people don't like James. I actually memorized the whole book of James when I was in school. Now, ask me now where stuff at, don't, don't do that. Because I'll make it up and pretend that it's, <laughs> it's the right verse. <laughs> but Kristen and I, when we were in school, had to memorize over 300 scriptures. And so we did. And James was the book that I memorized. And then my favorite verse is Matthew. What is that, Kristen? <laughs> Jesus wept. <laughs> Whatever. It's in the Bible. You can look it up. And James is saying, look, all these things that you've brought, that have brought you pleasure, that have brought you comfort, that have brought you ease, these things are going to burn away. They're all going to burn away. What has you? What has your heart? What has captured your attention? Maybe it's not resources, maybe it's not finances, maybe it's the own idea in your head about how things should go. Whatever the case is, maybe it's the identity that you think that you are. Maybe that's captured your heart. Guess what? That's going to burn away too. So we might as well just give it over to the Lord now. What has captured your heart? It's always about who has your heart. What is your foundation? Is it those things or is it Jesus, my firm foundation? the cornerstone of my life. Amen? So moving on in James. I love when you like do a whole study in like a book because you have to preach what's in there. Right? So James chapter 5, verse, starting now with verse 7, he says, Be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. Verse 8. You also be patient. <laughs> Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Amen. 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 Even back then they were saying, he's coming back soon. 
I believe Jesus, that whole thing, I believe that Jesus was coming back soon the moment that he left. <laughs> That's when the end time started. Now, I planted some green peppers this year in my raised garden, if you want to call it that. Thanks to Andrea Plum. It's so great. She gave me some pepper plants, and it was really awesome. And I've got to be the most impatient farmer ever. No, seriously, I really am. <laughs> I really am. I am, like, I, I know what I'm good at, and I know what I'm not good at. And I'm good at talking. <laughs> I'm not good at planting stuff and growing things, okay? I practiced something this summer for a little bit because it didn't work when I tried it. I got in front of my, my pepper plants and I said, grow <laughs> now. <laughs> I did not have enough patience for that thing to take root, for it to grow, for it to sprout, for it to do all of those things. And for four weeks, grow, grow. I grab a plant. I go, come on, little baby plant. Just give me a pepper. I just want to see one little pepper. And then if you know anything about green bell peppers or things like that in plants, one little flower sprout came out. It was about that big. And I went, I am the best farmer in the world. <laughs> they could take all the food away in the world. I got that little thing so good. But the reality is, if I do what I'm supposed to do, it will do what it's supposed to do. If I water, if I make sure that that plant's in the light, get plenty of sunshine, if I fertilize the thing, and I just give it time, I have to be patient to trust the process. To trust, the, if I do what I'm supposed to do, that plant will do what it's supposed to do. And God is working in you right now. He is working out what it means to trust him more than anything that's in front of you currently. You may not see the growth of what you're trusting God with, but make no mistake about it, if you've planted it, if he's planted it, and if we've watered it, if we fertilize it, if we've done all the right things we're supposed to do, it will grow in its due time. No matter how much impatience we have with that, no matter how much we tell ourselves, come on, grow in Christ, grow. No, listen, we have to trust the process. We have to trust the steps that it takes. If we do what we're supposed to do with that word in our heart and with the process in our lives, if we do what we're supposed to do, God will do what he's supposed to do. So what does it mean to trust this process? Well, number one, you have to water your life. You have to water your life with the word and with the spirit of God. I'm going to say something, and, and I'm not going to regret it, okay? But I just, I, just want to, I just want to preface this. I love you. You cannot be a Christian in today's world without the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can try. You can try your best. 
You can work as hard as you can, and it might get you a little bit, okay? But without the Holy Spirit, you will eventually fall away. You, me, we need more of the Spirit of God in our lives than ever before, especially in today's world. Because there's too much deception going on. There's, excuse what I'm about to say, but there's too much wokeism going on, masked as righteousness, masked as love. And we're saying, oh, we need this. It's love, people. Love everybody. Listen to me. We need the Holy Spirit to discern in our hearts what's right and what's wrong. And it needs to match this guy. All 66 books of this bad boy. It needs to match what this says. If it doesn't match, then it's not the right spirit. I need a drink after that one. <laughs> we have to water our lives with the word and with the spirit. We have to fertilize our lives. What does that mean? It means you got to go to church. That's how you get fertilized the best. Especially in the front row, you can see all my spit flying. It's the best time. No, but honestly, you have to fertilize yourself by going and committing yourself to a body of believers in community of people. You have to. Some people say, I just need a break from church. I've been in ministry now for almost 30 years full time. My wife and I will be celebrating 25 years of marriage September 12th. Thank you. That means 26 years of full-time ministry for me. And I've heard this so many times. I just need a break from church. I was like, I just need a break from church. Like, I understand taking a break from, from serving or things like that. Everyone needs sabbaticals. I get it. Okay? But you don't take a break from church. What I've learned is when people say I need a break from church is you need a break from accountability over your life. That's what that really means. I need a break from church. No, you just don't want to be checked by the Holy Spirit when you walk into a body, when you walked into church. Because you don't like conviction and it feels bad. Ugh. Right? That's what happens a lot of the times. I know it happened with me. I just need a break from church. No. The reality was is that there were some things going on in my life that I don't want to get confronted with. Listen to me. The body of Christ, church in itself, is the perfect place to sharpen your iron. You need people in your life. It's how God designed us. Even so much that he said to Adam, yeah, Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. We're designed to be in relationship with one another. There's no such thing as me and Jesus. I mean, ultimately, it's your relationship with God. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I do understand that your friends don't get you to Jesus, only Jesus does. Like, I get that. But when it comes to collectiveness in the body of Christ, the people who say, I don't need church, what they're really saying is, I don't want to be held accountable. I don't want to be undercover. I don't want anybody up in my grill telling me what I can't and can't do. Listen, get used to it, because when the times are coming down and everything's kind of... We see what's happening. The body of Christ is the only thing that will stand tall. Yay. 
The last step is time. Whatever God's working out in your life, it's going to take time. You can't, you can't tell it to grow. You just need it to grow over time. Moving on to verse 9, then I'm almost done. I love verse 9, and I'm just going to just leave it like this because Brother James says it the best. He says, don't grumble against one another. <laughs> He's talking to me and you, guys. He's talking to Christians, believers who say, I'm a Christ follower. He says, hey, Christ follower, stop grumbling against the other Christ follower in your life. Stop doing that. Stop talking about other Christians and believers, folks. We're the perfect reflection to the world of what love looks like. So let's learn to love well. Everyone desires a king like Jesus. How are you representing that king? Verse 13. He goes on to say, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. James found the key to freedom and victory. And that was to praise him in the middle of your trial and to praise him before and after the miracle. There's just something about there's just something that ignites your faith when you look at the situation in your life that you're currently going through and you choose praise over powerlessness. When you choose worship, worshiping the king over feeling sorry for yourself. When you look that situation, that circumstance right in the face and you lift up your hands to the Lord and you say, God, I trust you even though I don't see it right now, even though I don't feel you right now, even though things in my life aren't going the greatest right now, God, I want you to know that I am in your corner and I am going to worship you more than anything else. There's no better time to praise God than there is right now. Come on, let's take about 10 seconds. Let's praise him. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's just praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's tell him thank you. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done. Thank you, Jesus, God. I'm going through a situation and a trial, but it will not stop my faith in you. God, I will continue to worship you, Jesus. Hey. Ha-ha. The remainder of this chapter talks about the importance of the church coming together to take care of each other, to minister to one another. So let me encourage you in something today. The best way here at River of Life to get pastored, to get taken care of, to make sure that you're being ministered to is to join a group. When those things are released next week, I would love to see. I know I'm asking a lot, but I would love to see at least 80% participation. Amen. For people to get connected people to take care of one another. Why? Because that's the blueprint in the book of Acts. That's the blueprint in the book of Acts, is that the church take care of the church. The people minister to the people. You want to be pastored right? You want somebody there with you to hold arms with you and pray with you? Find some people in the church to do that with. It's the best way. It's the best way. I know we're going to do that as a staff, Pastor Steve and I and the rest of us. We're going to do those things. But the best way, oh, I'm telling you right now. Because what that does, it eliminates, it eliminates this idea that only the anointed one can minister to other people. You have the same Jesus as I have. Amen? <laughs> Kristen said it well. There's no junior Holy Spirit. <laughs> there's no junior Holy Spirit. It's either yay or nay. Right? You have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead inside of you. 
A lot of us just don't believe that. A lot of us just don't think we're good enough to do stuff. I want you to know, not only are you good enough, you're called to do it. God has put that mandate on your life to pastor and to minister to each other. Verse 16 says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Elijah was a man with a, na with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it may not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. So don't stop praying. As Nicole said in her first message, don't stop believing. Don't stop asking. And don't stop trusting God. Amen? Amen. Let me just teach you something real quick about asking the Father for things. A lot of us think that it's wrong to ask God for things, right? Now, I understand why we would think that because we don't want to ask amiss. We don't want to, God, let me win the lottery. Look, we're not talking about that, okay? First of all, if you're gambling all the time, stop that. You're ruining your finances for it. You'll always feel like you can't get ahead. <laughs> Ooh, I feel like I touched something there. <laughs> Ooh. Where was I? Holy Ghost. What, what, was I, what was I going with that? Oh, yes, asking. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. I felt a little shift there. When we ask, what we're doing is we're we coming into an understanding of our identity as a son or a daughter in Christ. If my son wants something from me, he goes, Dad? Dad? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Hey, Dad, he doesn't call me father. That's weird for us in our household, okay? So he goes, Dad, can I have five bucks to go to XYZ? Or, Dad, can I, XYZ, can I? There's nothing wrong with asking the father for things because it proves you understand your sonship. It proves you understand your adoption in him. Does that, everyone understand that? Right? So when I say and when I ask God in prayer, I ask God for these things. I say, God, set our church on fire. I say, God, bring revival to our community. I say, God, let the people in our church, in this church, in your church, get it down deep in their heart that you're coming back. And that we, I pray this all the time, guys. I say, God, let our church understand and know that we are the missionaries to the Cooley region. These last verses here is, when I, is where I want to camp here just for a couple of minutes as we close up. Verse 19 says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. It's so funny to me, and trust me, guys, I have done this multiple times, and I've done this too much, and I've had to go to God and repent and ask the Lord for forgiveness. It's too easy for us to sit in judgment over other people that used to come to church and used to be believers and look at their lives now and go, man, you're, you're wilding out. You're being crazy. 
It's too easy for us to sit there and feel haughty about ourselves and say, I can't believe you would do that. I can't believe you would do such a thing. You know better than that. Come on, somebody. We've all said those things, haven't we? Right? You know better than that. Why would you, why would you stoop down to that level? I know that I've said those things before. And all that does is make me have this false idea that I'm better than them. Look, we're no better than anybody. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. <laughs> oh, man. Let's be real here this morning. The enemy wants nothing more than to deceive believers. If you're a believer here today, the enemy wants to deceive you. He wants to lure you away, not from God or not necessarily from believing in him, although that will happen eventually, right? I mean, the Bible says that even the demons believe and shudder, so it's not really about believing in God. It's about questioning who you are in him. It's about questioning your identity, your rightful place at the table with Jesus. That's how he'll bring deception in your life. And he'll do it through all kinds of avenues. He'll do it through deception. He'll do it through anxiety. He'll do it through depression. He'll do it through lust. He'll do it through all kinds of stuff. He don't give a rip. He doesn't play fair. Right? He'll do it through, your, through, through complaining and bitter and argumentative and, and all this kind of stuff. Well, my church would have just blah, 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 blah. Right? All these things. He'll do it in all kind of shapes and all ways just to get you to question Jesus in your life. If he can make you proud like he thought he was proud in heaven, he's accomplished his task in your life. He wants everything to do just to deceive believers, especially in this day and age. He's brought this delusion upon the people of God, and that delusion is called pride and independence. Now, if someone wanders from Jesus, it's not our job to judge them. But our commitment and our responsibility is to bring them back in love. I'm sure all of us right now can think about somebody who's been a believer that is not one anymore because they chose sin. They chose deception. They got bit by this sin bug and this delusion bug. And this delusion bug is this idea that the world out there has something better to offer than the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but it makes me mad. It makes me mad because they've been lied to. They've been lied to, and they're believing a lie. You know the problem with deception is you don't know you're deceived. You actually think that you're living truthfully, but you're really not. If it contradicts the word of God, then you're really not. So I want to encourage you this morning, as Pastor Steve gets ready to come up here and close, that if you're here today and you've fallen away from Jesus and his love, I want you to know that he's here for you today. That he does not judge you. He does not condemn you. He does not look at you. All he wants to do is bring you rest for your weariness, 
and rest for your soul. I saw this testimony this last week of a guy that used to be in corn, the band corn. His name is Brian Wedge. Still is, okay? Thank you. For all my corn fans, repent later. He said in this testimony, my real estate agent told me about Jesus. And he said, if you're hurting, if you need rest, if you need to get the trouble out of your heart, call on Jesus, he'll be there for you. And if it wasn't for that real estate agent taking a risk and ministering to the guy who on the outward had everything. He had the money. He had the stuff. All he had to do was go like this and stuff would be given to him. But all those treasures that he stored up here on earth did not compare to the treasure in heaven. But let me encourage you here today. If you're here this morning and you're running away from God, today is the day. Right now is the time for you to come back. Right now is the time for you to come back loves you and his love is for you.